Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Your Festa podcast that's all about festivals. I am one of your hosts, Johnny Sharples, and I'm joined as ever and always by a man, a baby, he has no hair, he cries at mealtimes, he has naps and he has a little Manchester United towel. It's our mustachio co-host, it's Tommy from Rugrats, Tommy Stewart. Tommy, how are you doing today? Yep, I'm good, mate. Just had a... So Johnny has uh, decided, uh, probably quite rightly, that I am. Uh, I live the life of a baby because uh, we were supposed to be doing this recording 45 minutes ago and Johnny was messaging me and I was asleep because I was having a nice little power nap. Nothing wrong with a power nap, would recommend. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big fucking baby. He also soiled his nappy, so he didn't mention that. Um <laughs> I'll deny it. No. Anyway, for anybody that's not listened to this podcast before, do you want to give a brief explainer of what it's all about? Every week on Your Fest, we invite on a different guest to talk about their dream music festival. They have to pick three headliners, any act or artist, dead or alive, and they have to pick a name and a location and days of the week for said festival. Perfect. And our guest this week is a fantastic comedian, Ahir Shah, who you might have seen on Live at the Apollo. He does stuff for the Mash Report. He's an incredible comedian, and we're really looking forward to speaking to him about the sort of festival that he would like to go to, aren't we, Thomas? Yes, we are. Um, fantastic guy, super intelligent, uh, wonderful comedian, and wonderful hair. He does. He has a lot more hair than me and Tommy combined. So <laughs> yeah. not hard for not hard for he baby does. Tommy. <laughs> Shut up, Johnny. Anyway, shall we get straight to it? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. This is episode 30, the same age as Tommy, of your fest. Let's go. Yeehaw. Oi, 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 oi. Ahir Shah, welcome to Your Fest and to the Your Fest planning committee. How are you? Hello, thank you very much for having me. I'm good. Uh, I'm currently, I'm in my bedroom uh, while doing this and the wiring in my flat is clearly not great uh, because the last bulb that was working in this room has stopped working as of about an hour ago. And so over the course of this, because we're doing it on Zoom, it is just going to darken. Uh, quite considerably and so this like at the moment this is quite nice and conversational I need you to know that visually this is going to end sinister <laughs> is your festival going to end sinister as well <laughs> no, no 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 the festival will be lovely the festival will be lovely Johnny was just observing uh, before you well when we were in the room and um, you, you didn't have your headphones on that Johnny, you have the same uh, chair that you've got there. Oh, really? Uh, this is uh, Good what, chair? The, the John Lewis office chair. Oh, ours was IKEA, but a very similar, very similar design. Hello. This is a <laughs> this is an office chair that I uh, forgot that I bought uh, in the summer. I did one of those things where uh, at about four a.m. you lose your mind about coronavirus and then buy something on the internet because you're like, oh, well, if I buy a thing, then then everything will be fine. Uh, and then you wake up and forget about it. And two days later, it arrived while I was on a Zoom call with the comedian Nish Kumar, who uh, laughingly stated that even my breakdowns are now gentrified. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's a John Lewis uh, chair. Oh, yeah. Uh, and 
Cards on the table. I again don't remember ordering it. Must have been thrilled uh, because there's, there's a lot of stuff out of stock on that web shop, my friends. <laughs> I just uh, I've got the, I, the I, quickest I... purchasing finger in the West. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just uh, today I got through the post some um, expensive because I, I keep getting spots there. I don't know if it's like my masks or. Like just be in the house or glasses. I don't know what it is, but can I just, uh, uh, given that we're dealing with an exclusively auditory medium, uh, let's uh, clarify that what uh, <laughs> what Tommy did was Good point, point directly between his eyes and then say, <laughs> "I don't know if it's because of masks." Uh, so we are here to talk about festivals. So here, are you a fan of music festivals, and which have you been to? Uh, well, we're here talking about music festivals on the afternoon where Glastonbury have announced that they're not going to be doing their 2021 festival either. Uh, so <laughs> it is, it suddenly uh, doesn't really bode well for the Edinburgh Fringe, given that, you know, Glastonbury is an outdoor event where the average age is younger than me and Edinburgh is an indoor event where the average age is older <laughs> than me. Uh, and so I don't think that that's going to be happening. Uh, whereas either. Um, I've, I've not really gone to many music festivals uh, purely because when it was the time that a lot of people go, i.e. I, I guess sort of late teens, early 20s, I'm 30 now, um, I couldn't afford it. Um, so basically w when I was a teenager and stuff, I knew like people who went to private schools uh, that whose parents could give them uh, that sort of uh, money and everything. And I'm not saying that, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't grow up hungry, but equally I couldn't just be like, can I have 200 quid to go on a jolly for this weekend? Um, yeah. So that, that never happened for me. Uh, and so when I started, to, the, the, the few that I have gone to, I've gone to as a result of doing comedy because uh, what happens quite often uh, is that particularly when you're starting out, you will be offered no money, but you can go uh, to, to the festival. Uh, and that seems like a very, very good deal uh when you're in your early 20s and whatnot and then you realize now that it's like oh what that is is it it's free labor to sleep on the floor uh and that that actually doesn't sound as ideal um as it did back then uh so i've, I've done comedy at a few i guess I did, i've done festival i've done llama tree uh a few times uh, some others i'm sure that uh can't remember the names of i've done them very recently um but I've I've not done latitude, uh, despite wow. having having the voice of latitude, <laughs> uh, which uh, <laughs> feels extraordinary. I'm sorry. This is a festival that has a poetry tent. People don't need to be cajoled into with cattle prods, <laughs> and uh, you aren't <laughs> you aren't inviting the dulcet tones of Ahersha. This is a great, great surprise. Well, so yeah, I I never. Never went to them when I was super young. Uh, went to a few uh, in, I guess, that sort of critical period for music festival enjoyment. And now I feel like uh, well, they, they didn't happen last year, aren't happening this year, probably. And by next year, maybe I'm too old for tents. Oh, is that like, is that how you feel within yourself? Or you mean like society will deem you too old to be in a tent? No, it's, it's how I feel in myself. Like, how, how old are you guys? 30. Uh, 34. 30 and 34. I just feel as though, like, you know, to each their own, uh, but I feel as though 
over the course of the last year, and it's it's definitely been a COVID thing, I feel like I've aged a lot more than I have yeah. just in, in strict numerical thing, you know? Like, and I feel like coronavirus, I, I first heard of coronavirus, uh, or, or rather that there was this new thing happening uh, in December 2019 when I was 28, uh, and now I'm 30, and it does feel like really big seismic shifts have happened globally and so probably should take place internally as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm, now, I'm now a fusty curmudgeon. Uh, I don't really understand what anyone under the age of 25 on Twitter is talking about anymore. I've never made a TikTok. Um, I don't, and then also, like, I feel as though the, the whole tent thing I've always thought is far less of a thing for people from immigrant communities in this country because basically my position is you need to have been secure in your housing for at least three generations <laughs> before sleeping in a tent voluntarily seems like a good idea uh and like i'm like i am ancestrally too close to hearts to be comfortable with being in a tent for and spending money to be in the tent yeah. as well. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, aren't I, aren't I lucky that I uh, <laughs> got, got, there, got there early to sink however many hundreds of pounds it is into this weekend so that I can have back problems? No. Well, the, I, I uh, like, throughout the, in the inception and the course of this podcast, like me being 30 as well and starting the year uh, 25th of February, so just snuck it in. So had like a week of like celebrations, basically, for my 30th. Just snuck it in on time, ah, nice. just before lockdown and everything. But honestly, through the more conversations we've had, and I didn't really think of the COVID aspect of it, and that might be something, and it might be something to do with like getting used to home comforts and stuff. But the more and more we talk about festivals in this podcast, it started off with like me being the pro festival guy. I'm kind of going the same way. I'm just like, I, the thought of being in a tent is just kind of disgust me now so I, I, I yeah i totally get yeah. you i mean do you know what like last night all i did was watch like oh no was it last night maybe a couple of nights ago what my, my evening plan was watching grand designs and wishing i had a child and i'm interested to see if the german promise of the perfect house has lived up to its expectation like that's <laughs> that's all that's happened like that that is not that is not pyramid stage no, vibes. Not. No, I've heard a lot of people as well saying like uh, Grand Designs has become kind of a big thing this past year. Like loads of people are getting really into it. Like Greg, Greg James keeps going on about it. So like saying, I, I saw an article on it that say a lot of people are getting through lockdown by watching Grand Designs. I don't. I feel like I don't know if I've even watched an episode. Oh, you you really you really really should. The first two episodes of the current series, absolutely spectacular. Stop listening to this and go and watch the first two episodes of this series. You don't need to watch Grand Designs. All you need to know is that one's, one's like a stay-at-home mum who's pregnant. Uh, one is a guy that runs his own like cookie-cutter-making business. They have a £600,000 budget, but no project manager, and it <laughs> rains all the time, and then it, their house is rubbish but it's two years late and then they divorce. And that's every episode of Grand Design summed up for you. God, I'd, I'd hate to be that jaded. 
<laughs> if you don't love if you don't love Kevin McLeod, you don't love life. Yeah. Yeah. I just want Kevin to come around my gaff and call me a cunt. Like that's uh, <laughs> that's all he really does. He just wanders around people's like <laughs> lovely homes that they've poured their soul into and be like, oh well, yeah, so, yeah, well, maybe that works for you, sure. But you're like, Kevin, fuck off. <laughs> you sold be it to nice. me with that. Yeah, you sold it. Like, yeah. I, my, I feel like my closest uh, comparison, w- which I was really into in the back in the nineties and early two thousands, as a younger man, uh, well, a boy in fact, was uh, Changing Rooms, where uh, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen did much the same thing. Yeah, uh, still uh, the YouTube clip of the uh, shelves with lots of very expensive teapots collapsing. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. That is all our teapots. Oh no! That is all our teapots. Oh no! I don't know, Andy. I think we just have to put our hands upon this one. <laughs> I don't believe this. Oh no, the I'm crying white now. Girls. Uh, it's the books. We shouldn't have still hold up. Still, and you know that 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 is a very sad thing to happen. If that, like, I don't collect antique teapots, but if that would have happened to me, I would be absolutely heartbroken. But you know, tragedy plus time, and it's been about twenty years. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd be fuming, but he. Uh, but oh, God, the ones where they used to cry. Like I, I, I feel like that's one of the first times I remember feeling like genuinely awkward for something that I wasn't going through as a child. Like when they just <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> fuck it up what was the name carol smiley and they they'd be like crying on her shoulders and llewellyn bones just in the background just like oh oh fuck like <laughs> that's just horrible yeah. like thinking about and then handy andy's there and <laughs> he's put in a great shift he's done the best that he could it's not his but like <laughs> he's doing what lawrence tells him to do so it's not his fault. he's he's he's, yeah. he's yeah it's all lawrence's fucking fault Anyway, that's the excuse yeah. that the Nazis used. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I, this, um, was I, I don't. I didn't really know what to expect from a podcast about uh, music festivals, <laughs> uh, social events that I don't tend to attend. Uh, but I wasn't expecting within twenty minutes, Handy Andy was employing the Nuremberg defense. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about it, was. it's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, so should we move on to move swiftly on uh to your fantasy music festival um, and yeah. we're gonna need to start with a name for it and a location okay uh so the name is the one thing that i don't have uh because everything that i came up with i thought sounded extraordinarily naff uh but what I, and so this probably is going to be extraordinary enough as well, but I'm going to call it Glastonbury 2021. <laughs> uh, just so that uh, the, the select few who do get to attend uh, my music festival will be like, oh no, at last minute, actually, Glastonbury 2021 happened. And uh, yeah, we were there. And they'll have all their merch and things. They'll feel great. It's going to be really good for our SEO as well when people are searching for it. And... <laughs> true, true. You're, you're always thinking of logistics, Johnny. I'll give you that. I know, you've got to think these things through when you're on a planning committee. People are just going to be innocently Googling Glastonbury 2021 and they're going to come across Handy Andy's Nuremberg defence. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it won't be uh, held at that 
what is it which farm worthy is it farm. worthy farm yeah, worthy 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 farm uh it won't be held at worthy farm it will be held in my parents back garden in wembley <laughs> northwest london um this is the first this is the, the first time we've had a garden since who, who had a garden festival in their in their own garden johnny Sue Kemp kempner was naive enough to have it in her own back garden. I think here going for his parents' back garden, he's, it's like when you have a party at yeah, somebody else's house, show. you trash their house, but you never have a party <laughs> at your own house. Well, uh, oh, okay, so Suze didn't choose my parents' back garden as well. <laughs> <which would've> been, <laughs> <laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, um, Suze Kempner also chose Mr. and Mrs. Shah's uh, back garden in Wembley. Uh, they're, just, they're just popular people, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Where did you guys even meet? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think your parents would enjoy having a festival in their back garden? Uh, I don't think that they'd mind at all, which is uh, part of the reason that I've, cho so I've chosen it for many, many reasons. Uh, firstly, this is like, it's, it's still in like suburban London, so this is not like acres or shit like that, but it's big enough that you can have a marquee in it which I know because uh, before my sister's wedding, we had uh, what's called a Mendy evening uh, at the at Mummy Papa's house. And we had a marquee in the garden for that. Uh, and uh, there was music and there was dancing, and, uh, what have you. Um, and that worked very nicely. Uh, that what the following <laughs> the following day. So on one side of my parents' house is a block of flats. Uh, so you don't really know any of the people who live in the block of flats. This is quite a big block of flats. Uh, and on the other side is a house with just a family who we do know. Um, but some people from the block of flats uh, came around the day, day after the Mendy and knocked on the door. Uh, and, or No, actually, it was the, the police came around. Uh, I was like, oh, we received a noise complaint last night from the block of flats that was next to you. And that was like, yeah, it was it was a party in advance of my daughter's wedding, we don't really intend on that happening again. Uh, so there was sort of, it was this real like awkward standoff between my dad and this police officer where it was like, well, what, so what do you want me to do now? It's, uh, it's happened now. Uh, and uh, I, can't, like, I, can, I can honestly promise like, if it were to happen again, that it would mean that uh, my daughter and son-in-law had got divorced, and I'm sure that, that would be very sad and everything. So there'd be a whole raft of problems that we'd have to get through before such an event would. Yeah, ever, and the noise complaints—the uh, last thing you're thinking again. of at that point. Fucking Captain Hindsight, <laughs> yeah. this police officer. Jesus Christ. Uh, exactly, and then uh, growing up, it was uh, quite a common and quite a nice thing in the. Uh, there's a very large uh, Indian and particularly Gujarati community around that part of Northwest London. Um, and quite a lot of the time, uh, musicians in India who people knew uh, would come over and visit and they just want to, you know, go on holiday in the UK. Uh, and you'd be like, cool, yeah, stay in our spare room. And then one evening we'll get a bunch of people around and we have the you know you'll have your harmonium and your tabla and what have you and you can put on a little like almost oh, like a salon type thing uh for and you get about you know a dozen people just sat in the sat in this room listening to an evening of music uh which was which was a really really lovely thing uh to happen growing up which i 
obviously being a child didn't appreciate <laughs> at all at the time because I was just like, oh, there are all these people in my no way. <laughs> uh, but retrospectively, it was really nice. Uh, and so it would be, yeah, just a, this sort of nice continuation of these family things that we had, you know, of these evenings of music and friends and family being around. Also the, the Mendy that my sister uh, had and it would all it would all sort of feel like that. So yeah, pitch up a pitch up a marquee in the back garden and let's uh, let's have I love a it. three day party. And, and also the way you, the way you describe it, especially with you know being in lockdown and everything. Well, you know Manchester, we've been in lockdown for an eternity. It feels like, but that just really makes me long for sort of that sort of you know just like intimate sort of family parties not necessarily intimate but yeah just it, the, the thought of being in a back garden as it is much more with my friends and family is a lot more appealing than being in a field in a worthy farm to me right now and what what was what do you yeah, say sure. what was the community Gujarati. Uh, Gujarati. So it's a uh, Gujarat is the sort of state that's the western part of India. If you conceive of India as being almost like a diamond shape, like the like on a deck of cards, uh, then the left point of the diamond uh, is Gujarat, and that's where my family right. are from. How do you think the tower block will respond to an entire <laughs> festival now taking place in your parents' <laughs> What they'll be bribed with <laughs> tickets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh so which will be part of it but they'll they'll be bribed but in a way that makes it very clear that they're not welcome <laughs> do you know what i mean like it'll be like you are technically welcome to attend this but in practice we do not want you here so this actually brings to mind another story uh from around the time my sister was getting married which i guess now is seven years ago thereabouts um but <laughs> there was a thing where uh, you would post these rather elaborate invitations, the Konkotri, um, and my mother was very keen at, you know, wedding invitations are not, it's not like a fucking sheet of paper that you've got of your A4 print, they actually cost a bit of money each and that does uh, end up adding up and my sister and brother-in-law were paying for this thing. Uh, and my mum was really keen on loads of people in India being invited who my sister had never met in her life and my sister was like but I don't I don't want these people to come and my mother was like no no I don't want them to come either this is the beauty of the thing what you do is the way the done thing is you post them like the day before the wedding <laughs> so by the time that these invitations get over to India the wedding will already have happened and these people will just think oh that's a nice update and it's nice that we were invited obviously we wouldn't go and they would have no intention of coming either that is They're brilliant like, that is brilliant so, i love and, that shit my, uh, my sister was like and and so for like you know factoring in airmail and stuff this is probably going to be 20 <laughs> quid a pop uh you you want me to send these to dozens of people in india and mum's just like, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what I would like. It's <laughs> like I, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> that's money well spent, if you ask me. Like, <laughs> yeah, in the in the end, sense prevailed, and a bunch of strangers were not retrospectively informed of my sister's nuptials. <laughs> oh God. Send a Facebook invite. <laughs> Make an yeah. event on Facebook and send that the, the morning of the, the wedding. 
Yeah, but uh, so now the tower block can be placated uh, in that way. Another good way uh, of doing it, which uh, happened to me and my friends when a couple of friends and I lived in Streatham for a year uh, on a flat overlooking the common. Uh, and there was a weekend festival, a weekend garage festival that was starting at like 11 a.m. Uh, on the Friday and Saturday, like being pitched up directly on the common, like opposite our building. Uh, and the council just wrote to us being like, FYI, this is happening <laughs> in your lives. Okay, like they you know, paid off the council or whatever <laughs> the amount was. And it's like, oh, can we, can we talk about the fact that, you know, I mean, we live in a single glazed flat and this is going on from 11 in the morning till right there. And it's going like, and our walls were like, uh, shaking when oh. this was happening, uh, other guys were like, "No, no, <laughs> it just, it's just part of your life now." I was like, "Well, are you, are you giving local residents maybe a ticket? Like, oh, we can go as we're going to be affected." <laughs> like, no, again, no. <laughs> but you know, if you, you don't even have to open your windows, you'll fucking hear it. <laughs> So all it was was a fucking Saturday morning where I'd be walking to Big Tesco and just seeing these people coming out of Streatham Station already burning their faces off. <laughs> like, what is happening? You're <laughs> having this. This is yours now. Go, you have to live yeah. this. This is your life. <laughs> also, I, I'd like to know what, what's happening with the... Uh, with the police officer, are we going to address this? Is your dad going to speak to him beforehand? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it'll be rigging up and being like, look, so you know that thing that I said wouldn't happen again? Uh, it, it's going to happen again for three times as long, but this time there is some forewarning. Uh, and... You know, I think that uh, at some point, you know, maybe when this whole thing um, tapers down a bit, people are going to have to be cut a bit of slack, you know, uh, be like, all right, we were fining you for having a cup of tea with your friend five miles away from where you live. So we'll allow a loud party to go on a bit later than it otherwise would, uh, just because we all we all know we've yes, had a difficult good. time uh, of it and everything. Uh, and it'll be nice. I'd like... Like, uh, my mum's there. She's got nothing's going to get out of hand. So, you keep a solid eye over good. everything. Okay, good. It'll be fine. I, I feel safe. The good thing about holding, the good thing about holding it in uh, in Wembley as well is that catering's sorted because there's a whole <laughs> lasagna in the uh, in the stadium. So. <laughs> <laughs> so how they're doing it is they're actually putting the the underground heating at Wembley that's going to like bake the lasagna and then they're going to put the roof across. So it's like a recreate an oven. Um, and then what they're going to do is they're going to like carry that. Um, they've got loads of drones and they're going to like lift it up with the drones and they're going to like, like cut off little portions and like drop them into people's houses. Um, just so to make sure everyone's eating still and no one dies, which is obviously quite sensible. But yeah, I think I'm looking forward to that because I do quite like lasagna as well. So fair play to them. It should be nearly. It should, well, by twenty twenty one, by 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 June twenty twenty one, it should definitely be ready. Overcooked, if anything. Did you see they had that? The, the, they had the guy on. 
do you, do you remember when you first got that that was I, I i genuinely thought it was the well the thing is it was the start of lockdown wasn't it when it we, we all thought it was just going to be three or four weeks uh, I, I remember receiving that i think it was one of the funniest things ever but um anyway sorry let's move on to the actual festival uh, have we oh have we have we done the or are we coming to the invite list Oh, oh if you've got an invite list, we can go through who's coming love along. This. Love yeah, this. Yeah, this yeah. is this is new. I love this. Yeah. So uh because I mean, obviously, uh my family will be there, it seems churlish to kick yeah. them out of their own house. Yeah. Uh so uh my mum and dad will be there. My grandma can come down, my aunt, uh, my sister and brother-in-law be around. Um and it would be like, uh, so we used to, obviously weren't able to this year, but used to do uh, Diwali parties uh, at the family home where each generation would, you know, like invite all their friends. Uh, and it would be this lovely sort of multi-generational, multi-ethnic uh, celebration with loads of fireworks in the garden. So I think that, that that would be the general vibe, like, you know, the friends and family. Uh, but also uh, to open it out a bit, uh, any comedian who has played a music festival for a ticket died on their ass. <laughs> and, and anyone who fits that description is allowed to come whenever they want for as long as they want. Do and to be fair, a lot of those people that... are the friends who would have been invited anyway. But... <laughs> Do you want to name some of the comedians that have died on their ass at a music festival? Ever, name a comedian. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> like... We, we we were talking with um, so so obviously obviously Ed Gamble has done Redden and Leeds and he says he said to us he goes he, like he actually he goes down pretty well there because he's one of their people but I imagine someone who is I don't know not Ed Gamble there's not many I don't know how many comedians are there that are you know heavy metal sort of mosher guys like I, I don't imagine like not Redden and Leeds download sorry download that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, well, they're always they're always difficult ones to play because it's just like we shouldn't be there yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> in the first place. It shouldn't be a thing that you have to like that you can't talk during it, or not even the fact that you can't talk during it, but anyone around you speaking or moving is going to negatively affect your appreciation of the thing, which obviously doesn't really happen in a gig, a music gig, as much. Um, Everything. So it's it's never going to really work. The only people who are tremendous draws for it are like the huge, huge names. I remember like a decade ago, I was uh, on at a festival uh, and I was on just before Russell Howard. And so like a third of the people at this small festival were packed in this tent in order to watch Russ. And I was on for like 10 minutes of a thousand people becoming increasingly aware that I was not Russell Howard. Uh, and <laughs> so it was all very nice at first because they were all like, and after a while, you could just feel the patience in the air thinning until uh, Russ could go on and do his thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think that pretty pretty much everyone who's done a music festival as a comic it's, wasn't it's, like, it, oh, that was the dream. It's it's such an un, like you say though, it's such an unnatural habitat for uh, for comedy. I was just trying. Like, when did it? When did it become a thing? Like, I'm sure Red and Leeds in the '90s, it wasn't like a thing. It must have been the mid 2000s. I remember yeah. seeing a bit of comedy at Red and Leeds once, and it was kind of a surreal experience because 
it's mainly pissed up or pilled up, or, well, both usually simultaneously, 18, 19 year olds who just want to, I don't know. I feel like for a lot of people, it was at Redden and Leeds at least, it was used for shelter from the rain because the other tents were full. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and it's, yeah, it's probably like it's in the mid 2000s that stand up sort of became a really big mainstream thing, I feel, uh, in this country. And I guess the organizers of this these festivals realized oh, here's a thing with comparatively few overheads uh, and a group of people who are just thrilled to be asked <laughs> uh, willing to do the thing. Uh, so this is a very easy way of doing some programming for considerably less money than we would spend otherwise. Uh, and why, why wouldn't they do it? Yeah, fair uh, enough. But so... It's always the overheads. It's always <laughs> yeah. the overheads. So basically everyone who would have been on the guest list for a Shah Diwali party is invited. And if you're a comic who isn't already on that list, but you are a comic who has regrettably died on their hole to people on come downs at music <laughs> festivals, then... Come along, the water's great. Amazing. Uh, go on, Johnny. What, what, day, um, what days of the week are all these people coming down to your parents' back garden? Uh, this is going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh. Uh, yeah, my parents are retired, uh, so it's not, they've not got to go off to work or anything like that. Uh, and considering that there'll be a decent number of comics at this thing, it leaves the weekend open for gigging. There you go. The comedians' weekend, yeah, and the uh, you know the, the people who do have nine to fives and what have you can just take a few days of the holiday that they get legally. Great. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so what what is Monday at Glastonbury twenty twenty one in Wembley uh, looking like for us? Um. So. Uh, I wanted to open it by getting a sort of feel of the musical evenings that we used to uh, have when I was a kid uh, in the house and resurrect from the dead uh, Nuswat Fateli Khan and the whole of his Kowali party um, to do loads of Sufi music uh, for the evening. be very nice. I don't know how much you know about Nusrat Fateli Khan, but I am happy to extemporize. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> little, little to none over here. And I, I think I'm in the same boat, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, so he was a Pakistani guy 
uh, and was a singer of uh, Gawali, and it's a kind of music associated with uh, the Sufi branch of Islam, although he wasn't Sufi himself. Uh, and a lot of it is sort of a combination of Islamic devotional music, uh, and there would be uh, a lot of stuff which incorporates notions of love, lust, intoxication, the divine as all being sort of elements of one another. And it's all largely led by Bandit uh, Nusrat himself on his harmonium, singing just the most extraordinary voice uh, that I think has ever existed on this planet. Um, and you have uh, guys on the tabla, and then there are a couple of guys who are just backing vocals, clapping along, which always <laughs> seem like a fucking great job, because no one really knows whether they're any good or not. They're just having a great time <laughs> clapping away. Um, but it is, it, it's such fundamentally joyous music, uh, you know, and each of these uh, pieces will last about 10, 15 minutes um, and everything. And you can watch on YouTube. So he's uh, very much credited with uh, bringing this sort of music to a Western audience. So on YouTube, you can find uh, sort of uh, videos of him performing at the Royal Albert Hall um, at the Southbank Centre. Uh, I think Channel 4 did a whole sort of evening uh, of his music um, once in the, I think, early 2000s. Um, Everything and uh, he actually, if you've ever listened to the Jeff Buckley uh, album Live at Cine, uh, yeah. there's a track on that where he does Yejo Halka Halka Sarurahe, which is Jeff Buckley covering Nusrat Fadeli Khan. doing it on guitar and singing and he's just sort of phonetically singing along in Urdu uh, which he doesn't know what it means uh, and everything and at first people are sort of sniggering not really uh, taking this seriously and then he himself he put so much of himself into it that everyone gets massively along and he's like come on you gotta clap that's how they do it in Pakistan uh, and everyone gets involved uh, um and it's, it's so much fun. And the fact that even secondhand, uh, that sort of music could invest such joy uh, and stuff is beautiful. Uh, so yes, despite um, being despite being an Indian Hindu, uh, we're going to open with the apotheosis of Pakistani Muslim uh, music wow. uh, for this evening. Did you? So how did you? Uh, how did you get into him? Was it like your parents or? Did... Yeah. 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 Uh, it was my parent, but like, it's sort of, if you'd, th this is not like uh, so, uh, some niche artist that my parents knew about and everything, like for brown people, it's just like, oh my God, you mean your parents played you the Beatles? It's like, yeah, obviously your parents played you the Beatles. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> the most famous thing, and particularly for people in that generation. Um, and so, yeah, that was uh, that was something that was always um, played a lot around the house growing up, like all of those CDs and stuff. 
uh, and particularly my dad's uh, favorite track of his uh, was called Allahu. I would very much recommend listening to as a little introduction uh, to, to the gent. Uh, but yeah, just um, really, really wonderful, wonderful music. Well, it's it's rare on your fest that we get something um, that I, I I probably think most of our listeners wouldn't have heard of, and will hopefully. I, I feel like most people we've had, it you know, there's not maybe maybe with the exception actually of uh, our latest episode. Um, with Zoe Lyons, where on the, what was it, the Sunday, on the final day, she just had this mad array of house music that I, like, me and Johnny hadn't heard of. But I think other than that and yourself, like, hopefully it will give, like, the listeners, well, and myself and Johnny, like, something something new to listen to. Because, you know, generally it's, you know, the Beatles, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> What, what struck me when you were talking about it was the fact that you kept pressing how joyous his music was um, and coming from like Tommy went to a Catholic school and stuff like that and listening to Catholic hymns and things like that they're so dour and downbeat oh, and to hear like religious me. religious music or music with a religious yeah. background that's so upbeat and so they're celebrating their religion rather than sort of mourning their religion like you find with a lot of Catholicism and sects of Christianity it just it seems and, like this, this is something that you love and you're supposed to celebrate. And for, mm. for certain religions, that's certainly the case. And then for, I think for a lot of Western religion, it, you mourn the fact that you're forced to go to mass. And, and I think like uh, for me as well, my, my principal knowledge of religious tradition generally is through Hinduism. And in that, the whole idea of uh, just the idea of worship as something bold and loud and colourful and enthused is, is so fundamental uh, to how everything that I've encountered with it works uh, that I'm sort of like, why, why would you not want to do that? And why would you not want to, like, uh, among the very few sort of proper experiences of the sacred that I've properly felt within myself is for example being in a monastery in India and just like a, a wall of sound sort of uh, coming at me and just infusing everything um, and I think yeah wh why would like that that's I, th I think what you what you want from it uh, really and it is because you know this this particular tradition that uh, Mr. Fardeli Khan uh, is part of is centuries and centuries old and these would be obviously traveling musicians who would go from town to town and that's how they would make their living and people still like these days you know you'll go up dancing and stuff and you'll have a fiver and just like chuck a fiver on the dude's harmonium because that's what <laughs> uh that's still like you know you tip in the guy uh during it and it's just yeah it's lovely it's lovely great fun well i i like <clears throat> like the only thing i can 
think of that compare in terms of like the joyous thing is um, like African American gospel music. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Obviously, it's the same sort, well, a strand of the same sort of religion that I was uh, raised with, going to, having gone to Catholic school. But like Johnny said, it was just like, I, I dreaded going to, I dreaded going to mass. I dreaded going to church because those songs were so dark. Like, what is it like? <laughs> when you needed a, where you, I was cold, I was naked. Were you there? Were you there? <laughs> it's just fucking, it's like Eleanor Rigby on crack. Like it's yeah. so horrible, and I was I was always like jealous. You'd you'd watch Sister Act or something on TV when you're seven years old. It's like, why is my church not like this? <laughs> um, did Whoopi yeah. Goldberg not go to your school, Tommy? She did. She got expelled. She got expelled. <laughs> right, yeah. Too much singing. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there's um, like with this sort of music, I I think it's the fusion of um all of these different, of, of being able to fuse the idea of like the beloved and the divine and the lusted for and the intoxicating all into one uh, blend. Um, as uh, I remember once as a child uh, saying to my father that like, oh, it's interesting how in this type of music, it always feels as though the idea of like God and lovers and drunkenness is always uh, talked of in the same way. And dad's like, yeah, because they're the same thing. Uh, like, yeah, of course. Like that, is, um, like that yeah. um, sense of overwhelmedness, uh, and like the last thing that I'd say on him uh, as another piece to listen to. There's a specific recording of a song called "Merapia Garaya," like "My Beloved Has Returned Home," um, that is, which I believe hundreds of years ago was originally written as like a, a student what had written it for their guru, um, but is a combination of almost like a, a lover, a teacher, a god, um, through uh, both platonic and erotic with like at times uh, love way of thinking of it. But there's a point about 40 seconds in where Nusrat Fadeli Khan's voice just slightly strains on a note, which very rarely happens with him. And it is the closest I've ever heard, seen anything, any piece of art, to demonstrating exactly what love feels like wow. uh, in that in that segment, and I think it's incredible. Jesus, I've got I, I, I had shivers down my spine then when you were <laughs> describing that. Seriously, um, makes a change from talking about toilets. Uh, <laughs> we often do. Uh, yeah, I, th there are two loos at my parents' house. Uh, <laughs> Uh, They're both fine. There's one, one, one under the stairs for convenience, and then there's the family bathroom <laughs> up uh, upstairs. Yeah, nice. only, <laughs> only only like triple A people can use the the family bathroom. <laughs> um, no, honestly, mate, that was that was uh, that was beautiful. Um, is he? I'm just going to ask. Is he? I know. I'm looking. Look, I looked him up on uh, Google, so I won't admit to knowing this knowledge before. But he obviously passed away in the late '90s, so I think a bit before your time. But is he someone that your parents would have seen live, or is it like 
a clamor to see him live. We genuinely don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text them uh, when, when we're done with this because I genuinely don't know if they ever saw him live. Because he did come to the UK a few times, uh, so, so they may well have done, but I don't know. Well, well I get to the, see him now in their own back garden. So, mm. it. What's the um, what's the Tuesday looking like out here? Uh, the Tuesday is looking like well, we'll now go we'll now go far more basic uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just be like fuck it Tuesday we're having Radiohead in the garden. Who is, I'm sure have been a popular choice. I think this is the first no. time they've been picked. It's the first time. It's the first time, which is amazing. Like 30 odd recordings in. That that's the first time I saw them. Um, I I got a ticket on the what, what year is it? I think 2018, maybe. It's hard now with like the last year I haven't gone to gauge what year was anything. But um, I live in Old Trafford, so half a mile from the cricket ground. Um, right. And I heard them. Like I woke up one day and I just heard uh, what song was playing. Um, Paranoid Android they were just uh, I, I heard it from half a mile away and I could just hear it blaring so I went out in the garden just like had a cig and listened to it and didn't have tickets think it sold out I, I, I texted my brother I was like fucking hell I've woke up to Radiohead let's just go let's just go like, <laughs> bought a ticket on the day managed to find one on Twitter yeah incredible Amazing. anyway I'll give the platform to you to talk about yeah. why Radiohead uh, no, so I've I've seen them twice uh, at Victoria Park uh, shortly after In Rainbows came out, oh. uh, and um, at the O2 sort of uh, post King of Limbs, um, incredible both times. Uh, one of the one of the things where like the tickets were expensive and you felt like you saw where the money was going, uh, yeah. which is a real like. For example, uh, particularly in this world of like comedians charging 30 quid or what have you for a thing. And you're like, it's just you chatting. Come on. <laughs> like, what? How, how much could conceivably have got like, and, uh, to be, and, like, I put these things on myself. I know how much can conceivably go into this thing, but this is just naked profiteering. Come now. Uh, whereas... <laughs> When uh, you see uh, a band like Radiohead and you're like, oh, this is an extraordinary uh, evening of music. It's also a fucking incredible light show that yeah, yeah. I've seen. Uh, so everything around it is like, oh, you've not, you've not scrimped in order to make a buck on yeah. this part. Um, it cost a fair whack and there was a reason uh, for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I love the fact that visually and musically, like it, it's the experience of seeing them live is a very like lovely, holistic one. How much of that could be recreated in a back garden in Wembley? I'm not necessarily <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, 
Uh, perhaps we could get, I don't know, perhaps like Foles could open for them or something. Cassius, it's over. Cassius, away. Cassius, these daydreams, these daydreams, okay. Cassius, an accident. Cassius, an accident, 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 accident. Another sort of Oxfordshire oh. band that started out as a house party band. Yeah. Uh, so they might be a bit more sort of used to that sort of thing whereas yeah. i imagine tom york would just be like where am i this is <laughs> this is the smallest house i've seen in 20 years so what the hell is going on uh, have, have you are you a Foles fan as well uh not massive massive uh but, but just I, chuck him there for the gorilla gig sort of style yeah, yeah. no i i do like them and uh my, my friend, the musical comedian Paddy Jervis, his brother was the bassist in Falls. Uh, so I know a delightful number of childhood mishaps that the bassist got into. <laughs> uh, and so that's, uh, that's something that at least uh, if, uh, if I got around, I'd be like, Mum, this is Walter. Uh, do you, remember that funny story I was telling you about the jetpack and my friend Paddy? Uh, that's, uh, you, this was the guy when he was little. <laughs> um, and another, well, burning question, I suppose, for any Radiohead fan. Because my answer to this changed quite a lot. What's your favourite Radiohead album or period? Um, so I think that it's, yeah, as you say, this is one that uh, routinely changes. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's well, In Rainbows, I think, uh, was my favourite. Just because In Rainbows was the one that came out. So a lot of my musical taste was incorporated wholesale from my sister, uh, as will happen for many people who have older siblings. Uh, right? And the way that it would work, my sister's uh, seven years older than me, and she had like a weekend job uh, where she'd get a tenner, uh, this is when she was a teenager, uh, where she'd get a tenner for doing this uh, weekend job, and every week she would spend, albums were about 10 pounds CDs, so every week she would buy a new CD. Um, was, and so, uh, in the house growing up, there was this uh, big back catalogue of the sort of music that teenagers were into in the late 90s, because this is uh, when, when she was doing this sort of thing. Uh, and so I always associated with that, oh, that's the music that Diddy likes, so that's the cool music, because that's the stuff that an older uh, kid would enjoy. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> so I had uh, all, all of this backlog that I would listen to sort of from the age of about 12 uh, onwards, uh, of, of of her stuff um, and then I guess because In Rainbows came out I think it was 2007 so I would have yeah. been 16 to 17 at the in, end of the I year. remember in sixth form yeah. buying it yeah yeah uh, and so I would walk to school listening to that and I guess because it was the first one that felt like it was mine mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to something that I'd gotten from my sister and so that really uh, stays with me for that reason Cut the string.
same age. Uh, I, I, it's it's my favourite for exactly the same reason. And they have it. It was when you had the whole. Uh, you could choose how much to pay for it, couldn't you? When you yes. download it. But I, I was like, no, I'll, I'll pay the full amount. I'm, I love them so much. I bought the physical copy. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't yeah, afford my, it. I had a job at Sainsbury's. You loser. <laughs> As a birthday present, uh, my sister got me the um, the vinyl. I didn't have a fucking vinyl player, but uh, <laughs> she got me because she but knew all, that I'd like the that. sleeves yeah. and that. The, the artwork book, was yeah. amazing with it, wasn't it? It had really, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's and the first. Yeah, just the first four, four or five songs. It's it's just well, the whole album, but yeah. Yeah, and I think what's really special for uh, about them as well is the fact that there are so many bands that you dig when you're a teenager because they're speaking to this very particular teenage way of seeing the world, and then when as we are all now, we're now sort of older than those artists probably were when they were making songs that appealed to us when we were teenagers, but they were sort of in their mid twenties. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And what have you. Um, and you listen back to it and you're like, yeah, this is just sort of very juvenile and weird. <laughs> uh, that actually like, I'm not sure how much a 14 year old should be able to identify <laughs> with all of these songs that are being made by a 26 year old. It just strikes me as a bit, uncomfortable right yeah um but and I, I understand part of the reason that it happens right because people um sort of start making a thing when they're very young if they get success with it very early then they just keep going down that path uh they blink all of a sudden they're 40 years old but still making music for teenagers yeah. um and one of the things that i think is really good about Tom York is the fact that in later albums and stuff like they're about 50 now and they're not pretending to speak to children <laughs> uh, and everything it's like you're listening to these albums by these people in their late 40s and you're like yeah divorce does sound really hard actually <laughs> like and uh, all of this stuff uh, uh, like uh, and these are sort of slightly more complex and it's like the reason that i really like uh hearing songs that people have made for their children and things like that because this is like it, it music should be something that can you know i it, you it, it wants to be universal but it also it, it's very nice when it can address uh specific moments of life that are perhaps overlooked because the principal market of this thing is always going to be people in their late teens and early twenties. And it's, it's really nice to be like, Oh no, this is a song that I've written for my five-year-old daughter. And that's, that's the thing because yeah. that is the sort of person that I am now. And me writing a breakup song that a 16 year old can identify with is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been very nice listening to two massive Radiohead fans talk about Radiohead. But Sorry. I'm yeah. Say, I don't, I don't really there's like I like the singles and stuff but I have two very distinct Radiohead memories one was um they did a talk show host for the Romeo Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet soundtrack mm -hmm. and when you watch the DVD it just loops the doom 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 over and over and over again and I once fell asleep to that and it just every time <laughs> I woke every time I woke up I just heard Ding, 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 ding. and then I fall back <laughs> asleep and then like two hours later wake up and it was still going as like oh and you thought to yourself I want to I want to listen to something else or I'll explode <laughs> and I'll never listen to and another time um the flat that me and my girlfriend used to live in the um the light we had two spotlights in the bathroom and both of them uh 
broke, much like uh, he is uh, lighting in his uh, room, as we've been forewarned. Is yeah, he's now in pitch black, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see him. <laughs> uh, so when I had a shower, I went and got her, my girlfriend's bedside lamp and put it in the corner of the bathroom. So it was given, it had a massive lampshade on it. It was given the tiniest amount of light in this pitch black room. And while I was having a shower and then high and dry by Radiohead came on and I just stood in the shower thinking, this is so bleak. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a Mike Lee film. This is terrible. <laughs> this is the worst thing. So um, not very fond memories of Radiohead, but like I say, like... Yeah. Karma Police and things like that are, are great, undeniably great singles. <laughs> oh, no, I, I also, uh, as as is inevitable for the tone of that sort of music, I also have very unpleasant memories <laughs> involving uh, that sort of music. I mean, there was a, a, a certainly a, a drive back from a funeral when I was fifteen, where I just listened to No Surprises on repeat and cried. association is one that will always remain very powerful uh for me but there's also like um for example the track uh feral on king of limbs uh which never really made sense to me um as an album just listening on headphones was also like well what's happening here is just a collection of weird noises uh and I, i don't really get what's going on and then seeing that live mm. um when they did it at the O2 and it was the the highlight of the entire evening mm-hmm. uh, because it was just this like a three minute period where there's no vocals, the lights just went insane and it's like, oh, we have all just become sort of like thrashing zombies uh, for the, for this duration of the fucking accident. So yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got I've got both uh, with these guys. <laughs> but that's a good that's a good th- that's a good thing about that sort of music. I I think, and I, I have the same, um, maybe not a specific memory like you with no surprises, but I have. <clears throat> me and my mum love that song, um, and I, yeah, I, I have a lot of. I'd say it's in my. It, this is it's one that won't change probably it's probably my top five songs of all time like not by Radiohead by anyone no surprise I think it's like one of the most beautiful piece of work ever made and the video and you see the making for the video and he's having to hold his breath and and like uh it's taking him loads of tries to do it and they're like it's fine we can CGI it but he's like a proper artist so he wants to hold his breath and mime these words and then and then he carries that they release the the like water from his 
head and then he's just like <clears throat> like you can see he's like nearly fainted from trying to hold his breath um, yeah and I think also that as a track is because I guess how that's on okay computer right yeah so that's 1997 Seven, so yeah. I guess that they were sort of late 20s when they were making that yeah, probably mid to late uh, 20s yeah yeah and it's one that yeah, I, I, I was on the way back. The, the funeral that I was on the uh, way back from was a suicide. Uh, and so it was very uh, evocative as a teenager, but also like it's one that, again, doesn't lose its significance as you get older because you're like, oh, well, like such a pretty house and such a pretty garden hits very differently yeah. uh, after a certain age than it did before that certain yeah. age. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a th that I think is also a, a really impressive thing to be able to do artistically. It's it's probably a hell of a lot young, a hell of a lot easier to speak to people who are younger than you than it is to speak to people who are older than you. Uh, and still, yeah. identify uh, like being able to identify with things that people made when they were younger than me, uh, and I'm getting uh, like even now, uh, I, I think it's a extremely impressive thing something that i really enjoy yeah amazing um well final day wednesday yeah brilliantly described again <laughs> beautiful <laughs> but yeah let's let's do the wednesday your final day <laughs> final day right um i think so before this i will go through uh various things that i thought of and didn't go for uh, in the end, and uh, then I will at least be able to get out the thoughts that I was having on these people um, before. Uh, so, remember, my sister would have left university in 2004, uh, and remember her telling me that she was at the final whatever event, uh, whatever they called it at Warwick, uh, and the you know, her and all of her university friends, are, they're getting drunk and trying to work out who might be their last ever chance to shag or whatever. Uh, and, <laughs> and she's like, and this slip of a girl gets on stage and starts singing. And within 10 seconds, absolutely everyone in the audience is just transfixed watching this person and everything outside of that stops for the duration of the time that she's on stage, and that was Amy Winehouse. He walks away, the sun goes down, he takes the day, but I'm gone. And in your way, in this blue shade, my tears dry on their own. So we are history, the shadow comes, the sky above. Ain't no regrets and no most of no day. Cause as we kiss goodbye, the sun sets. So we are history. The shadow covers me. The sky above the place. Only love will see. Um, and uh, I think that that's a, a really, really sort of amazing and enviable quality for a performer to be able to have. And there are a few solo performers 
uh, that I think it happens in comedy as well. Like, you know, you'll watch even video of Richard Pryor and you're like, oh, it appears that Mr. Pryor's right index finger is currently being funny. Uh, and everything like it's every every atom of this <laughs> performance is working in concert in order to create something and so the first description that I heard of that happening was my sister telling me about uh, Amy Winehouse in the early 2000s wow. um, and then I felt it I've never been able to see Kendrick Lamar live but just watched loads of videos of him performing live online particularly uh, there are videos of him performing at the Kennedy Center in the United States where yeah. It is, it's absolutely that. It's, you are transfixed to that corner of YouTube for the duration of the time uh, that you're listening to him. Uh, Live at Cine, the Jeff Buckley album is a great example of this, uh, where he starts by doing a cover of Nina Simone's uh, Be My Husband, and he does it as Be Your Husband, and just starts off with his foot as people are talking in this coffee shop around him. And again, within 30 seconds, everyone clearly you can just hear something in the air changes yeah. and people are like, oh, hold on, something very crucial is occurring. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, I'm going to need to listen to that. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of style of performance uh, is one that I, I did really feel like I wanted to get into this uh, because it's one that's so valuable when when the, the performer is so in the zone that they're using the audience as their instrument as much as anything else, right? And uh, comics do it, uh, musicians do it, uh, stuff where they are the conductor and they're slowly playing you. Uh, and I think that that's really, really remarkable. But I equally thought at the end of this uh, three-day thing, I wanted to just have something that was just really fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and be like, go on, let's get mum in the garden, let's give her a key of MD and let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, and so with that in mind, I have chosen for the day three headliner, The Correspondence. Albert and all your castmate green friends of mine are in disbelief As they can see what's underneath Fluttering lashes with lips of pearly white teeth I don't show it but I quiver whenever you come near And I cannot decipher between the thrill and the fear I wanna stop it but like it too much to let it stop here It's wrong but I want it tonight It was not my own volition but I fell in deep Distance I've been advised to keep I trot to the wolf as a doting sheep It's wrong, but I want it tonight And why is that? Oh, right, uh, so, so your mum can do MD, yeah Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, she'd have a whale of a time uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure, I remember once uh, she was uh, recuperating after a surgery in, in a hospital And she was like, oh, this, um, this morphine is excellent like, <laughs> It's really good. And I'm like, yeah, mums, because it's like medical grade heroin. So really? Yeah. Like, oh, do you think that you can get it on the outside? Like, Mum, no, <laughs> no, we are, not, we are not having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much an over, over the counter drug. Yeah. Very... Yeah. 
Uh, you are not a sort of like rust belt farmer and uh, <laughs> we are not getting you heavily into opiates uh, at, this, at this stage in life. Okay? <laughs> not, um, not something that we need to be doing. Uh, but the correspondents are uh, two guys. Uh, Mr. Bruce uh, is the front man uh, and Chuck's the DJ. Uh, behind it and it's just extremely fun uh, live stuff so um, he's, he, he, Mr. Bruce as the front man is always wearing sort of extremely outlandish uh, outfits and stuff quite frequently uh, he'll have so I've, I've seen them a few times they performed a couple of times at my college uh, when I was at university and then I've seen them a couple of times in London uh, as well and Mr. Bruce just has, having like a treadmill on the stage in front of uh, him that he's dancing with and on the treadmill, just spraying <laughs> sweat absolutely everywhere. Um, and it is impossible not to get caught up in just this, this absolutely frenetic display that this utter madman is uh, putting on uh, in front of you and I thought that uh, at the end of what's been you know like my favorite vocalist in Mrs. Fadeli Khan uh, giving this sort of uh, the, the music and the culture and the history that I'm uh, really interested in and then Radiohead my favorite band and then let's just let's just be far too energetic for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to end a festival as well. Like, <laughs> often people have, um, often people kind of mellow out on the final day. But I like, I like, I like to go. I like that you go out on a on a high note. But also, I was going to say, I suppose in a way, like obviously, I'm not comparing them to, bloody like you know, Amy or Kendrick Lamar or whatever. But if he's in that. In a way, like, do they get into that zone as well? Like, obviously not that sort of level, but like, mm. you know what I mean? I like when you say like the, that... the sweat's like spraying out and there's so much frantic energy, like it's a different sort of zone, but it's their own sort of zone that they get into. Yeah, and uh, I think I think that um, what, what I particularly love about it is that I love anything that could only be happening live and only be happening in that moment. And regardless of whether, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, because there's a DJ rather than a whole band, this is going to be more similar time after time than it might otherwise be if you've got people with live instruments and whatnot. And yet there is a real feeling of being in that moment with them. I, I listen to them uh, on just, you know, headphones or speakers sometimes, and it's 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 enjoyable, but it never it could never come close to capturing yeah. that raucous uh, atmosphere that they engender in in a room when they're doing their live shows. Uh, and yeah, that that's the sort of thing that it's like you you wouldn't get this even by like having it on the UE boom, <laughs> and you've got friends over and you're drinking or whatever. Like that's not going to come even remotely close uh, to to this thing. It, it's it's similar to what. You, well, in a way, similar to like what you're saying about the Faroloff King King of Limbs, like seeing it live, like there's there's and there are there are things like and um and not like again the the third bloody thing in a row that you've just described perfectly and and like viscerally and beautifully, but the um the 
who is it? Amy. Oh yeah, Kendrick Lamar. So I was I I saw him in oh, wow. at the at the not the Apollo, the Ritz in 2013, his first UK tour. Um, wow. And I've been to hundreds of gigs. I've been to. Was that sort of? Was that around Good Kid, Mad Good City? Kid, Mad City. It was just yeah. after he released it, so he don't. He had, he had that, and uh, he had an album before it that like wasn't that big. It had, uh, it had the song Rigor Mortis on it. Got me breathing with dragons. I cracked the egg in your basket, you bastard. I'm Marilyn Manson with madness. Now just imagine the magic. I like to ask is, don't ask for your favorite rapper. He did. Yes, sir. Amen. Chuch. He did. I killed him. Amen. Bitch. And this is rigor mortis and it's gorgeous when you die I leave recorded and I'm Morpheus, the matrix in my mind I'm out the orbit, you an orphan and a hairdresser combined I'm on the toilet when I rhyme If you the shit then I decline I climax where you begin and then I end on cloud nine And that's important um, But from experiencing that it, You are like And I know you said you just watched on YouTube But he had like no stage show then It was just like him and his, him and his mic and a DJ That was it but he totally had that. Like what you described there, he totally, I'd still put it down as like my top, probably along with like Radiohead, um, Neutral Milk Hotel, like Kendrick Lamar would be like up there as my, the best, probably the best gig I've ever seen because he was just like, I've, I've seen a lot of hip hop shows where it's just, I saw ASAP Rocky about two weeks before and it was just like a lot of his crew smoking weed on stage. And like, it was cool, but like, Kendrick Lamar just came in and I've still got the videos on like a potato screen pixelated phone from the time. <laughs> and the whole crowd is just like, everyone is just up in the, and he's just like, Marvin had a dream. Like just, it's fucking, yeah. Like, yeah. so the way you describe it is totally right. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and I, I love seeing that. And I'm purely, purely for the deliciousness of uh, drawing this ridiculous equivalence. Uh, the first time that I ever saw a performer do that was literally Russell Howard. <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in, so uh, wow. I, I, I'll, I'll drop Russell a line later. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I just compared you to Kendrick Lamar. How do you feel about that? Um, no, I but, know what you um, mean. Go on. It was uh, because it was in a small room in Camden. It was I got I got a text earlier that day uh, from the organizer of the night uh, saying, oh, we've got uh, Russell Howard closing this thing as the sort of secret guest. He's trying out some uh, new bits. And um, this is, I guess, when he was on Not The Week all the time. Um, and so this is a very small basement room. And it was the first time that I'd seen a properly brilliant comic performer live and close enough to see all of the like the eyebrows and the hand and how everything comes into it uh and it, it really is something else uh when you're able to witness it uh and so yeah russell's got it kendrick's got it <laughs> <laughs> you say the correspondence put on a massive show how's the block of flats going to react to this poorly <laughs> <laughs> Very poorly, but maybe you know, like I'm sure that uh, other people uh, may have in the history of this podcast said, uh, sort of very grand, like, oh, we're gonna do the festival on the moon or whatever. Just like, Andy Zaltzman yeah. said on the moon, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm sorry, but it would be a lot cheaper for me to 
put everyone in all of those flats, just say to them, all right, for these three days, I'll pay you to go away for these three days. <laughs> that would still be a fraction of the cost of doing Zoltz's fucking moon <laughs> Where he's probably like, a, I don't know, his headline is probably going to have to reanimate the corpse of W.G. Grace or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not far off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, right, should we go? Sorry, Johnny, Tommy, I'm, I'm want... taking your line. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy, do you want to go through Ahir's festival? Yes. So Ahir Shah, your fest is Glastonbury 2021. <laughs> 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 it is, which I think is the best name we've ever had. Uh, it's. Uh... <laughs> It's in your parents' back garden in Wembley. We are paying, rather than going to Zoltz's fucking thing on the moon, we're, we're actually just paying for the local, uh, the, the residents to just, they can come to the festival, I suppose, a couple of them if they're nice people, or we're just paying them to go on holiday uh, for the three days, which are Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, unlike most, I think the first time to do this, uh, he had an invite list. Uh, so we've got his family and then any comedian, who played a festival and died on their ass uh, because they wanted the free ticket. I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce this uh, in a more phonetic and English way because I would not yeah. do it justice. Uh, That's fine. So the Monday we have uh, Nusrat Fatir Ali Khan. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. But you can can you say it uh, in your beautiful it's, way? Yeah, Nusrat Fatir Ali Khan. Okay, great. And um, so yeah. On the Tuesday, we've got Radiohead uh, with uh, and uh, uh, Pandit Nusrat being joined by the reanimated corpse of Jeff Buckley on Yajahoka Hokasura. Sorry, I <laughs> forgot, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Tuesday, we've got the incredible Radiohead, which I am, um, well, as you probably heard, I'm buzzing about. It's the first time we've had them. Maybe a bit of false warm up. On the Wednesday, we have the correspondence, bit of fun, and his mum on MDMA. Ahir Shah, thank you very much for coming on your fest. It's been absolutely magnificent. That was episode 30, the same age as Tommy, of your fest with the incredible Ahir Shah. And it was fantastic to hear him talk so incredibly about Radiohead, which I think you enjoyed. And also really nice to hear him talk about a musician that neither of us has ever listened to before in Nusrat Fatali Khan. So um, a really incredible episode all yeah. around. I don't know how much his parents will enjoy having that in his back garden or the neighbours, but at least Glastonbury 2021 is going ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um... I'm surprised no one's picked that name so far or just, yeah, st straight up sort of Glastonbury seen as, or any of the festivals, because all the festivals, you don't really have to put your own spin on them. They're all not happening. So hypothetically, you could have any of them. But um, yeah, that was really like, I sort of came out of that one. I was like, just felt a bit emotional, kind of like really uplifting, but really emotional. He was, um, yeah, he's just super, super smart and obviously knows his stuff about music. And as you said, as you alluded to, finally um, to have Radiohead. Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Brilliant episode. Did you have a little cry after we finished recording? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did a little bit. And you had actually, to go for nap time? Because <laughs> I'm a fucking baby. I probably did. The thing is, I probably did go for a nap.
<laughs> anyway, if you enjoyed this episode of Your Fest, um, please go back and listen to our previous episodes. Give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get up the, the charts, get in the charts at all, to be honest. You can follow here on Twitter at Ahir Shah. You can follow Your Fest on Twitter and Instagram at Your Fest Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, but not on Instagram at Johnny Gabriel. And you can follow Tommy on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Andrew Stew. And we'll see you again next week for episode 31 of Your Fest. But now it's time to put Tommy to bed and read him a bedtime story. Bye. Love you. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Incredibly creepy. 